is Hebrew Hits, presented by JTribeRadio.com. I'm your host, Malia, and I sit down with people who live by the motto, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. listening to Hebrew Hits. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Malia, and today I'm sitting down with the one and only Zezzy Fold. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Malia. Thank you for having me on today. Of course. Now, the first question I want to ask you is, how did you get the name Zezzy? Like, I have never heard anybody else with that name. So it's actually, uh, I don't know if it's interesting or sad at the same point. Um, When I was uh, a young kid, I was two, three years old, I couldn't pronounce my name. Actually, my name is Eliezer. The only person in the world that calls me Eliezer is basically my wife and my mom sometimes if she's angry at me. But that's about it. And when I was a kid, I couldn't pronounce Eliezer. It's a long name. It's a hard name. So it became me, Zezer. And my siblings called me Zez and Zezzy. And over the years, it became Uncle Zezzy and so many different kind of names. But Zezzy is the one that stuck. And that's the one that uh, I go by today. It's good it's stuck because everybody knows Zezzy. Like, you're the only Zezzy, the one and only. <laughs> do it. Yeah, so there's always these Ezzies and there's Zevies. I'm like, no, this is, this is Zezzy. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not. Well, how did you get started in the camp business? Because I know now you're like very big in the camp world. So um, it's interesting, actually. I, I, I lived when I was 15 years old, I lived in Israel. And I loved my nephews and nieces. I was all about um, my nephews and nieces. I was, I was Uncle Zezzy. Everyone loved me. But at the time, I lived in Israel. But my sister, who, Kanenahara, had, I think, four kids at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I missed my nephews and nieces. So I said to my mom, listen, I want to go to America. And I want to spend the summer with Adina. And she said, listen, if you want to go to America, you have to pay for your ticket on your own. I said, I didn't know how to make money. So I figured, you know what, my brother-in-law works in Simcha Day Camp, and I figured, you know what, I'll work half of the summer in Simcha Day Camp, that'll cover my flight to America, and the other half of the summer, I'll spend my sister and her family, and I'll take care of the kids. So um, that was really how I got started in the camp business. That was um, about 17 years ago today, Um, and I was in Simcha Day Camp for years. I I started off as a JC. My counselor was Rabbi Ackerman. Who's actually a rabbi in South Shore today. Um, and that's how I got started. And I just uh, slowly but surely made a name for myself. And that was really it. So at age 15, you realized you had to pay for your own. It was 15, you said? I was 15, yeah. Yeah, so you realized you had to pay for your own ticket. So you had to figure out a way. That's actually very, very cool of you to actually say, okay, I'm going to apply for a job and I'm going to work for it, for it. I'm not just going to, you know, ask somebody to pay for my ticket. I'm going to actually work for, for the flight. Yeah, I, I would say apply or nepotism, all the same. I mean, my brother-in-law was uh, in the camp, so I didn't have to do so much applying. But yeah, I mean, it was a JC. Most people who are JCs and they apply for a job, they, they usually get it. Your brothers know because they all work for me. So if they apply and they're good guys, uh, I've had all your brothers working for me and they're, and, they're, uh, and they're awesome. Yeah, well, they love working for you. Well, you told me on the phone when I spoke with you that your brother told you something at age 15 that changed your entire life. What did, do you mind like sharing that? I actually would love to. I actually, uh, I remember it, but it was actually not my brother. It was actually my brother-in-law. Oh, um, brother. Rav, Rav Mordechai Berg, um, who is actually the Menahel of Aseret, is my brother-in-law. And when I got to Simcha Deikim when I was 15, I started even like 
the kids liked me. I have this personality, something that God gave me, some God-given trait that I had when I was a kid. And the kids liked me right away. And he said to me, listen, as you go on in life, it's very important to make a name for yourself. And he didn't just mean a name. He didn't just mean the name Zezi. Um, he meant just to be somebody that people know that when you look at that person, you could trust that person. You look at that person, it's somebody who's going to make you smile. It's somebody who's going to trust whatever it is. That's what it's about. And, um, and that's, I really took it to heart when I was 15 years old. Um, you know, it's really young and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you so young and taking these things to heart? But I, I did. I really, um, I marketed it that way. I was, I was Uncle Zezzy in camp and I decided to go with Zezzy. I mean, I was Uncle Zezzy because that's why I was in America. I was in America to be Uncle Zezzy. But um, it stuck, and it stuck to this day. I, my, my company's name, and I'm Israel. I just restarted a company here. And the company, I, I was thinking of different things because of just I couldn't figure out what I wanted to call it. And my marketing company is like, just call it Zezzy. Everyone knows you as Zezzy. Yeah. That is the best name. It's like share. It's like just call it Zezzy. I was like, okay. Uh, that's what we did. Yeah, you really did make a name for yourself. And since I did speak to you, I've been trying to think like, Malia, 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 like how am I going to make an, a positive name for myself in this world? Not that I need to be known by everybody and popular and, and like everybody knows who I am, but I want a positive, like I want people to think of me in a positive way and that like I was nice to people and things like that. So that actually got me thinking once I was, once I was talking to you. So thank you for that. On another note, when everyone sees or hears the name Zezzy Fold, they always picture you and know, know that you're always making people smile and happy. Why is it so important to make people happy? Um, it's, it's, it's a deep question. It really is a deep question. It's not just that it's about making people smile. I, it's something I always tell people. and It's one of my favorite lines. It's, um, it's, in, it's in Hebrew. It's, Chiyuch zekavakum shem which means a smile is a crooked line that strains everything out in life. And when you smile to somebody and you smile at somebody, it's infectious. People want to smile. You know that like when you, when you have a kid and, and they're crying and they're whining and you just make them, you just make some ridiculous face at them. They can't stop smiling. It's like a yawn. If some, one of the, my favorite things to do, I used to do this in high school and it got me thrown out of class a lot of times. But I used to yawn all the time, even when I didn't, didn't have to yawn. Because when you yawn, by the way, I don't know if you know this, everyone around you yawns as well. Yeah. And not if they want to. They don't have a choice, but their body says, oh, he's tired, so I must be tired as well. So I used to be like in class, like, like really <laughs> loud. And all of a sudden you see all my classmates like, oh, all of a sudden, you're so tired. This is so <laughs> weird. I'm like, yeah, I did it. But um, it, smiling is, is infectious. You know, you can walk down the street and you can be sulking and you can be sad. And, you know, you could ruin somebody's day like that. And we all are going through things. And we all have things in our lives that, that we're going through. And no one's judging you and no one's saying you shouldn't be going through those things. But in the street, when people see you, a smile doesn't just help everyone else. It helps you. Even through, when you're going through the hard stuff, you smile and you're like, you know, I feel a little bit better about it. Even though you're still going through it. Yeah. Even though you're still going through all the tough things in life, you're still smiling. You know what? Tomorrow's another day and it's going to be good and it's going to be great. And you know what? Today's in the past and it happens already, but tomorrow is just, a, 
uh, it's, I'm, I can't wait to see what's going to happen tomorrow. It's so amazing. So excited for all the possibilities. So I think, I think that's what it's about for me. Smiling is a kinship between two people. And just getting to smile to me is like, so it opens up the world. Do you feel that if you are having a bad day and you smile, do you think you could fake it till you make it? Like, even if you're not feeling happy and you put on a smile, do you think eventually it will make a person actually happy? So, so I think that you could, if you're, let's say if I'm, let's say per, personally having a hard day, if I'm smiling and someone else smiles, they will smile and they'll feel it. I still may be having a hard day and we deep down, it still may be hurting and whatever it is. You know what the bottom line is? People are going through rough things in life and a smile doesn't fix everything. But if you're smiling out there and you're out in the world and you're smiling, what you can do is immeasurable. And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking to all the British people out there who have terrible teeth. I'm talking to the people who actually have somewhat normal teeth and who have a good smile. Use it. Utilize your smile. The world wants to see it. I, my, I remember in, in camp, all of my, my wife's friends used to like make fun of me because I have this like jaw that protrudes out. I'm like, you know what? You're making fun of my smile. I don't even care. I don't even care. Make, make fun, fun all you want. Make fun. But at least you're smiling. That's all that's all that matters. Thank you, Zezzy. We'll be right back with some more Zezzy Fold right after the next song. Here is Friends by Mordechai Shapiro on jtriberadio.com. Take a drive down the highway of life. Give me five, my friend. Here we are. We're together again. And remembering when we met. All the games, all the jokes that we laughed at. The pain that we shared. And we knew that no matter what came, our bond would remain the same. I can travel down any road Cause I know that I'm not alone I've got my friends and their loyalty I've got my friends who always see the best in me I've got my friends every step of the way My friends have helped to shape the man I am
we're back with some more Zezzy Fold. While people from all walks of life are familiar with the name Zezzy Fold, but they also feel a personal connection to you. Um, did you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone to be able to talk to anybody? Or do you feel like this is a personality trait that you were just born with and it comes easy to you? So it's actually funny. I was actually talking to my brother about this last night. And it, it clearly is something that God gave me. And I dive in every single day. And I think I think Hashem every single day that he gave me this, this character trait. Not everyone's born with it. But I can speak to anybody, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, a 99-year-old, and I feel a kinship with everyone. My, my brother last night said it's, it's a chameleon. He said, you fit in wherever you are, no matter where you are. He said, you're the only one of our siblings that fits in with every sibling. And he said, it's because you're a chameleon. He's like, some people, they're like, this is who I am. And if you don't fit in into my box or my square then then you just don't fit in and a lot of people are like that and there's no i have no problem that's just a personality trait i'm just not like that i i i am a person who loves all and 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 i just i feel like you know what we're the world isn't that big it's, there's not enough room in this world to hate and to dislike people and it's just just get over it you know what i'm saying and i'm not and i'm not and listen you know I, when i tell people like get over it you're like well you don't know what i happened in my life and i'm like listen you know what i don't know what happens in your life but if you're able to get past it you're able to get past things in your life that seemingly are hard or seemingly are somebody something happened to you, you the only person that you're gonna hurt by not letting go of the past is yourself the person who hurt you or the person who did something wrong to you they're in the past they're done right and if you can't let go of it it's on you it's not on them they, they've moved on with their life they don't care that they hurt you they don't care that they did anything to you and so it's it's just it's just a better way of life just just be happy that is that is an amazing message but for those people that you say just be happy for those people that really have a hard time being happy it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to say just be happy you have any advice of how to just be happy what just put a smile on Totally, totally. It, re it really is really, I, I would say disgusting of me to say, hey, just be happy. Who are you to tell me just be happy? <laughs> and, and, and to those people, I, I, I really say that I, I hurt for you. I really am there for you and I hurt for you. And if, if Malia wants to give my cell phone number or my email out, I'm here for you. I really am. And uh, I really am. That's who I am in life. I've, I've been there for many people, suicidal and all sorts of people. But if you do look back at the things that hurt you in life and you say that thing can't hurt me anymore, if I don't let it, then you're the better person for it. Um, there have been hurt people in my life that have hurt me and you know what? You can't hurt me if I don't let you, if I'm, if I'm, I always say to, to hurt somebody who hurt me in the past is the bit to be the biggest success story in the world. And that's what I just try to be. Just try to be the biggest success. If somebody tries to hurt you, they're trying to put you down. Mm -hmm. You know, they, 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 they obviously have some, some issue with themselves that they're trying to hurt you in any way. And, and if you go ahead and you succeed in life and you push yourself even more, you're like, you didn't do anything. You didn't succeed. You tried to hurt me. You tried to call me fatso. You tried to do all these things to me, but I'm successful. Yeah. I'm okay with who I am. And when people see you, like, how do you do that? I tried to hurt you. Why won't you just stay down there? Why won't you just stay downtrodden and hurt? And when you smile and say, do, 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 can't touch this, that's yeah. what it's about. It's about 
can't touch this and um, just smile and move on. You know? And that really frustrates those people because they so badly wanted to push you down. They thought they got you and then you got back up. It's, it's something I teach people, parents and people who are working with campers and my camp and all those things. I always say when a kid is yelling at you and they're up here, stay down here. Stay all the way as low as you can. If they're yelling on top of their lungs, just stay as low as you can and say, I'm ready to talk when you are. Because they want to get at you and they want to yell at you and they want you to yell back and they want it to be back and forth. But when you're not on their level and you're talking calmly, they're like, how come you're not up here? How come you're not yelling? How come you're not getting as excitable as I am? I'm, I'm just not there. You're not getting me riled up. You're not getting me to yell at you. Come back down. Join me back down here. I'm ready for you when you are. You're such a positive person. And like, it makes sense that you'd be part of the Schnitzel guys. But how did you get started with the Schnitzel guys? So as I said before, my brother-in-law's name is Mordechai Berg. Um, and his best friend, um, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble saying that, his best friend at some point in his life, we'll go with his best friend. Okay. Um, his, <laughs> name, his name is Yitzi Haber. Yitzi Haber is one of the two people that started the Schnitzel Guys, Yitzi Haber and Donnie Weinraub. Um, they started the Schnitzel Guys. Um, they do around 200 bar mitzvahs a year. They've done thousands and thousands of bar mitzvahs and smachot over the past 17, 18 years. And they've brought joy and happiness to everybody. And I wanted to be a part of that. And it, 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 it really wasn't about the money. It really wasn't. I wanted to be a part of sharing joy and happiness and excitement with people. And it let me be myself. You know, in my day-to-day job, I have to be one thing. But if I, on the weekends, I get to be a clown, a professional clown, and make people smile, it, it puts a smile on my face. It makes me happy. It gives me the koach to go through the rest of the week. It gives me the strength to say, you know what? I can make this week work and I can go through with everything that's going on in my life because I made some kid happy. I made some kid the, the star of the show. And that's what the schnitzel guys are about. Um, there's these, all these, Baruch Hashem, there's, so, there's these dancing groups and all these amazing things for bar mitzvahs and weddings. And a lot of them, they make themselves the focus. They're the dancing groups, they want people to watch them. The schnitzel guys aren't like that. And that's why it spoke to me. The, 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 their job is to make the bar mitzvah boy the focus of the show. And you've seen us. You, you, you work at all these bar mitzvahs as well. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what the point. Like Some people like get into the middle in dancing, and we say, no, we want to get the bar mitzvah boy up on a table with his father and get all the kids holding it because that's much more exciting, and that's much more getting the family to be the focus of the simcha. So they, they, I, I came on about eight years ago. Um, I would say... For a while, they, um, how they started their business, I'll just tell you briefly. Um, when they started, Yitzi and Donnie did every single bar mitzvah together, the two of them themselves. Okay. Um, after a while, Bar Hashem, people started calling, and they had two bookings on the same day. So what do you do? You make more schnitzel guys. Um, and my brother-in-law, Mordechai Berg, won't admit it, but I've heard he's actually done a couple bar mitzvahs. Um, wow. That may, that may get me in trouble, and that may get him thrown in a mevaseret, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> But, um, so, so they, they made more schnitzel guys. So Donnie would do one bar mitzvah with one other guy and Yitzi would do another bar mitzvah with another guy. And, um, there's all sorts of amazing guys. People do, people heard of, um, Yechiel Tenenbaum and, um, Katz and Ellie Dickstein and all these guys, um, have been doing this for years with them. 
Um, there's even guys that did it before I did, and I don't even know who they are. Burnett did it. I mean, there's a lot of awesome guys. Um, but after a while, Baruch Hashem, I was one of the guys, and I've been doing it for so long. And because of my popularity, Baruch Hashem, in the camp world, and the popularity in Schutzel guys, they finally figured out after a few years, they said, let's see, you know what? We're, they're getting so many calls. Let's split it up three ways. Donnie will take a group, Yitzi will take a group, and Zezi will take a group. And this was very big of them because it was their baby. It was their business, and it was the, what they built. And you know what? So having somebody take your business and run with it is, is a scary thing. It's, not, it's a little bit like frightening. What are they going to do with it? But Baruch Hashem, Yitzi and Donnie trusted me and trust me wholeheartedly. They know that I would never do anything to hurt their, their business and my business because it is who I am and it's what I love to do. So, uh, so after years, that's what I, I did. I joined the Schnitzel guys. We danced at hundreds of our mitzvahs and have awesome stories for years and years to go. I'll tell you one quick story. One of my, one of my favorite stories, we did this mitzvah in New Jersey. It was a weekend bar mitzvah and Saturday night was a party. They rented out a hotel. I forgot where it was. We were middle on the dance floor. Lipa Schmelzer is singing. We're on the dance floor. And all of a sudden, we, I think we even told the caterer at the time. We said, the, the, the caterers, I don't even know, they have, they have these the private omelet stations. With that, those like canisters that, that make the fire. We told them like, you're a little bit close to the wall. And there's like these, these shades on the wall. Maybe you should like, be careful. Like, no, nah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like, we don't care. We're the entertainment. Like, yeah. what do we care? We're middle dancing on the dance floor. And... Mm-hmm. What do you know? The shade on the wall goes up in flames within like a second. Within a second. Oh my God. Me and my partner run out, run to the side. We realize there's a hot water urn. We take off the top and we throw it at the wall. The fire goes out in like two seconds. Oh and we God. get right back on the dance floor as if nothing happened. And it was a story that we remember forever because it was just awesome. It was just like... Wow. Everyone's like, what do, you, what do you guys do? We're like, I don't know, there was a fire, so we put it out, and that was it. <laughs> just, How do you put it, out such a big fire with just one urn? I don't know, it was two of, two of us. We each had an urn, and we just like, and we, we didn't even like say to each other, hey, let's get an urn. We just like picked it up, threw it, and got back on the dance floor and danced with the kids. Like, wow. That was it. You literally saved a lot of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, the fire was so quick and so big, but it was, it was awesome. The story was awesome. And we, we've had so many stories. We've been everywhere, Florida, Toronto, um, Israel. We've been all around California, Cincinnati. Um, we've really been all over. And it's just, uh, it's just bringing joy to, to everybody. And that's why I love doing it. Yeah. And I know that I've, I've worked at many parties that you, you were at, you and the schnitzel guys. And I know that I always laugh whenever you come to the table. You always... Uh... <laughs> anybody, anybody, anybody who doesn't know... Literally, Malia's job at these bar mitzvahs is to make people smile. That's literally her job. Yes, she she is the photographer at these at these at these um at these bar mitzvahs, and she has a photo booth there, and she's awesome, and she always makes people smile because usually these bar mitzvah boys are like really like annoying, and <laughs> you would think like a girl, there's like, can you stop being annoying? Can you just stop being stupid? Like, that would be the normal answer that most girls would say. But Maya's like, that's awesome. I can't believe you put that hat on with oh, wow. that mustache or that bow tie. That's awesome. Like, she gets in it. Maya is like, you, like, get these kids to smile. So, you know what? You do a great job. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. I have, I, you should just know I keep all of them. All of the pictures, I keep them all. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It's a lot of pictures. It's a lot of pictures. Because also at every bar mitzvah, we don't just take one. We take with like every other kid who wants to take with us. So we always take a copy and we always, I have them all. 
We wow. always thought like it would have been cool if we had started from day one and taking yarmulkes from every bar mitzvah, but we didn't think about that. That would have been cool, but we would have yeah. had thousands of yarmulkes, but we didn't think about it. But now you have a picture. It's oh, you have pictures. Cool. No, that, that's pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Small. I did not know you kept them. I thought you just took them because the guys wanted you to take them. No, no, we keep them. We keep them. Wow, that's so impressive. Well, how did you um, boost your business? Like, how did you boost the schnitzel guys and get people to just like know who you are and want to hire you guys? So I always tell people in business, try to be yourself. And that means stay within your zone. If you're good at talking, then talk. If you're good at staying quiet, then stay quiet. Be who you are. Don't try to be something that you're not because people read through it and then they won't want to be with you. They won't want to work with you. Um, and, and, th- and that's what the Schnitzel guy is about. It's allowing people to be themselves and be what, what it is. I built three websites in one. Um, I, my built, I built the business as a little bit bigger than just Zezzy or the Schnitzel guys. Um, I wanted to do everything that I had. So I have party rentals i have like moon bounces and i have con candy machines and snow cone machines and wow. popcorn machines um all of that is and i have boom boxes and sound systems and all that and then on top of that i also do game shows so i've been doing a lot of fun game shows oh, wow. everywhere we have a, a really fun one it's like minute to win it game show with like let's make a deal um, so it's just a lot of fun. We do a lot of, a lot of fun, different kind of shows mm-hmm. and here I'm just building that brand, building that name, uh, on my car. Uh, I actually mimicked the schnitzel guys in America. We had honk if you love schnitzel here. We have honk if you love Zezzy. I can't go anywhere in town. And these magnets just came out about, I would say three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I can't go anywhere in town. If I'm walking down the street, some kid will go honk, honk. I wow. literally, yeah, literally, uh, and it's 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 uh, it's it's what's all it's about. It's about branding, branding yourself, and branding uh, the company, making people smile. One of the things I did over the um, this period of Corona that we have been in Bar Hashem in Israel, we're getting out of. We started Yeshiva this week. One of the things I did was I was doing free shows for kids in the community on Zoom, and one of the things I did was I said, "Kids, if you show me, I was doing like magic tutorials." So if you show me one of the tricks that you did, I'm going to give you a prize. And some of the kids did, some of the kids didn't. But after, I, what, after what I did the first time, a lot more kids did what I asked them to. And I'll explain to you what happened. After the first show, I made a, a bag full of prizes and swag with my, my sunglasses and my hats on them and all sorts of fun things. And... What I did was because I wanted to get these kids out of their mundane lives and make them happy. And I said, as I said always, it's about getting them to smile. I hand-delivered over 100 packages around the country um, to these kids. And when I mean around the country, I had kids in Gush Etzion and the Shomron and in Yerushalayim and in Beit Shemesh and in Tel Aviv. it took me a few days to do it. I'm actually not finished. I have a couple more to go. A lot of the goodness of your heart, right? I, yeah, I paid for it. Somebody actually, somebody actually gave me a hundred shekel one time. Someone's like, are you really just driving around paying for your own gas, doing all this? I'm like, how much is it already going to cost me? It's going to cost me a few hundred dollars to make all these kids smile. Is that not worth it? Like, wow. who cares? So the guy's like, here's a hundred shekel. Let me help you out. I was like, I don't, I, listen, I didn't need the hundred shekels, not that I don't need money, but I, I just like, I felt like he was trying to be nice. So I was like, I, I took it and I, I went to pay for some gas. Um, <laughs> but um, 
You know, and it's just, it's just about getting people to smile and getting, people were so amazed. They're like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, what do you mean? Your kid's at home and they're stuck. Yeah. And, and kids, I can't even tell you how many kids have been texting me back and forth. Hey, I did this trick. How do I do it? And most people wouldn't respond. They're like, leave me alone, kid. Just leave me alone. And as I said to you, the thing that God gave me from the day I was born, I give every kid the day of day, 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 the time of day. But did you every kid. dress up in your costume, like a full clown costume when you give the presents, or you just go as you're like regularly dressed? Oh, no, no, no. Full co- clown costume. Yeah, no. <laughs> full clown costume. <laughs> and I don't, and I, I don't know if you have a picture of what I look like as a clown. I don't look like a made-up clown. It's a professional clown. So I have my mustache suit. and um, I'll try to insert it if I do the video. Yeah, no problem. It's my, it's my mustache suit, and um, it's all sorts of fun things. And it's about just making the kids smile. I walk around town. The mask that I have on, my niece Khana made it for me. It's got a, got a mustache on my mask. Um, <laughs> it's just my car has a mustache on it. It's just, uh, it's just uh, about getting people to smile and getting people happy. Yeah, I've been seeing your social media and I'm like, wow. If that guy came to my house, I'd be like smiling for a long time. Because that looks like a lot of fun handing out those Look, presents. The social media thing is so hard for me. This is actually... Um, I've never done social media until I moved to Israel because the Schnitzel guys were so big. We never yeah. had to do any social media. Baruch Hashem, we got booked years and years in advance. So we never did any social media. So now it's like interesting. I'm starting to learn it just this year. And it's like people are like telling me this is what you do. And I feel like all these teenagers in my high school where, I'm, where I run a yeshiva, like teach me like how to do it. I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm an old 99-year-old <laughs> lady who's like, Tell me where the power button is. I don't know how to do this. Oh my god! Like teaching me how to hashtag and tag these things. And my cousin Hillel is like one of the biggest tech guys in the world. And I'm this schnook who has no idea what to do with how to tag people or how to get more followers. But you know, people follow me because they enjoy what I do, and that's all it is. And you know what? Your social media looks good. Well, I know that your outlook on life is that everything is Yad Hashem, and Hashem is really like in in your life personally. Can you share a story where you've seen Yad Hashem in your life? I actually have quite a few. I'll give you probably maybe one or two that I have that I can give you offhand. Mm-hmm. Two pretty cool ones that I have. A few years ago, I worked in a Pesach program and, I, and it went really well. Pesach program went really well. I'm not going to give too much detail about where and what it was, but it was a great Pesach program. It was fantastic. We really had a great time. The kids had a great time. We basically, at the end, when they were paying me, they are like, so we're on for next year, right? And I said, yeah, sure. We basically said, we're going ahead. And the next year, I was kind of like scheduling things and putting things together. And one day, they basically said to me, it's not going to happen. And these are great people. They're really nice people. And I have no hard feelings towards them. As I said to you before, if I hold hard feelings, it means it's on me. It's not on them. They, they went past it. So again, really no hard feelings. They're really great people. I, I, would, I, would, I would promote them right now, but I, I, don't, I don't want to because it's not nice to like say that what happened and say, I want to promote them. So it doesn't make a difference. Okay. They're really good people. They're really amazing. But they said to me, listen, we're going another way. And I was very hurt. I was very hurt because the reason they wanted to go another way was a little bit upsetting. Um, I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. And I found that I didn't really do anything really wrong. But somebody else kind of undercut me in my price. So I called my Rebbe up and I lived my life by my Rebbe, Rebbe Groner. And I, I asked him, I said, Rebbe, what do I do? I just, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I really feel hurt. I really feel wrong. And this is right after the conversation with them. And they basically fired me from, and it was, it was a significant amount of money. I, I like making Pesach at home. For me, if you want me to go away to your Pesach room, I need to make some money because 
I'd rather stay home. I, I enjoy being home. And when, when I do anything, everyone knows I do it to the umpteenth degree. My wife knows I go to the Pesach program. It's 10 to 12 days where she does not see me at all. And the Pesach program, literally, you can ask your brothers who are there. I literally sleep from anywhere between 3 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the morning every night, and that's about it. It's about two hours a night that I sleep, and that's it. Because they're paying for my time, and I want to make sure that every single component of every single thing I'm doing, the first year I did a Pesach program, I was helping them bring in the 50-pound bags of sugar and helping them set up their kitchen and because I, I want to be the best person that I can for them. So I felt a little hurt talking to my Rebbe, and he says, listen, you know what you should do? You should do Aaron coin." I said, what do you mean I should do Aaron coin?" He said, well, it's like, you know Aaron coin." I said, yeah, I mean, he was Rodev Shalom. He, he ran after peace. He said, exactly. I said, do you want me to walk away from this money? It's, he said, yeah, I want you to walk away from it. I said, okay. I'll walk away from it. Now, Rebbe, I remember exactly what he said. He's like, are you going to really walk away from it? I said, yeah, Rebbe, you told me to walk away from it, so I will. He's like, okay, give me a bracha. I was like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? He's like, give me a bracha. Give me a blessing that, you know, my, my yeshiva next week has a fundraiser. Give me a bracha that it should go well. So I said, okay, Rebbe, Rebbe your yeshiva, I know you're trying to get $500,000. You should get a million dollars. My daughter is getting married. Give me a bracha for that. Well, your daughter should have all the nachas and all the good things and so on and so forth for literally five minutes. Is bracha after bracha after bracha. And I, I said to him, I said, Rebbe, what is going on? Mm-hmm. He's like, listen, the Gemara says that a person who is mevat, or somebody who gives up from himself, something that really is due to him and just gives up on it, that person gets all the brachos in the world. And when that person has all the brachos coming to him, he should give out brachos to other people. We know that when somebody's here birthday, yeah. the, the, the shechina is on them, you should give out brachos. So I said, okay, Rabbi, I don't know if I believed it. I didn't believe it. I was just like, okay, I'm so happy. I gave you brachos. You'll have success, and that'll be it. And I remember exactly where I was when I said it, and I hung up. Now, 10 minutes go by. Somebody calls me up from California and says, listen, we heard about your name. And this is late in the game. You have to understand, I was already assuming that, you know, at this point, it's too late. And all Pesach programs have their entertainment done, have everything done already. I get a call, somebody from California, and they call me up and they say, listen, we keep on hearing your name. And we keep on being told that you're the guy to hire. So I said, for what? And they told me it was exactly the job that not 15 minutes ago I was fired from. So I said, what, what is the salary looking like? What are you guys looking for? What everything? It was exactly what I was looking for. It was the greatest job in the world. And because of it, I got hired in this job. And not only did I take the job and I worked there, I got paid double the amount that I got paid the year before in the place I would have been paid. So it really is truly amazing. And actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one more story. I could tell you stories forever. But the, the other story that I'm going to tell you actually has to do with where I am right now. I'm, I'm actually in the yeshiva here in Israel where I'm basically the director of development, executive director, I run the place. Thank you, Zezi. We will take a short break, and when we return, you will hear how this story comes full circle. Here is Simcha Liner's song, Lecha Dodi, on jtriberadio.com. Don't 
I made Aliyah nine months ago. The first year in that actually Pesach program, and this is not something that I told you, but the first year in the Pesach program where actually Yecheskel, your brother, came and joined me, there was a kid there who had a really hard time in the Pesach program. A really hard time. And I helped him out. I'm not going to say the story. I don't need to say the story. But I helped him out in a very, very, very big way. And both he and his parents were very, 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 very thankful. Fast forward four, three, four years later, I get a call from a Simcha Sassman of Shalshalas, who has a yeshiva in Israel. It's May 2019. I'm already making Aliyah. I haven't decided where I'm going to work. But I figured I'm making Aliyah. I'll figure it out. But Ezra Hashem, Akash Baruch Hu, is always taking care of me. I'll figure it out. So that's what I do. May Sussman calls me up and says, I want to hire you as my, as my director of student activities. I said, okay, great. Who are you? What is your yeshiva? He was already in it. 
So he started telling me a little bit more about the yeshiva. And I said to him, listen, you know what? I have a camp. And in June, you said you're coming in. Why don't you come in in June and let's discuss it? He came in in June, came into my camp. I think it was June 24th or 25th when he came in. And he sold me on this place. And it is the most incredible yeshiva in the world. It's called Yeshiva's Arze Levanon. Um, anybody who's got checks and money that want to send to an amazing place, this is the place. It's in Yerushalayim? It's in Beit Shemesh. In Beit Shemesh. I mean, in, in Israel, actually, something very interesting. You're either in the yeshiva world where you have to sit and learn all day long, or you're in the secular world where you have to do a bagrut and you have to do, which is the equivalent of the, the, the equivalent of the SATs. And, and, and basically, you're, you're either or. You can't be learning all day long, but me and you didn't grow up that way. We grew up in Jewish day schools where you can have a full morning of real learning and real, what do you call it, and then finish off with the SATs yeah. or in Israel, the equivalent of the Bagrut. So he created a school with, um, with Rav, Rav Malinowitz, Zecher Tzadik, the Racha. was a big, big, he's actually the one who started the yeshiva with Rasasman. He said, why? Why is it that you can have one or the other? Why can't we have a yeshiva that's really, really, really learning and really going to get the kids out with a bagrut and real, real secular studies. And that's what he did. And I fell in love with the yeshiva in June. I said, listen, I'll come in. He told me he basically has no money for me. I said, I don't care. I'm coming in anyways. <laughs> wow. and, and that was it. And I came in and Baruch Hashem, within two, three months, he basically gave me the keys to the castle. Wow. And I run the yeshiva. And, and it's awesome. Rewind back to three, four years ago, we... Uh, we're doing our first fundraise trip. Well, let's, let's actually stay where we are in this past year. And um, we're doing our first fundraise trip. And I asked the Rashi, I said, where's the first house we're going to? He said, well, we're going to Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. I'm not going to use the name. I'm going to use it. And I decided not to. Yeah. We're going to go back to so-and-so's name. And the reason I'm not using the name is it's just not, not no, 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 no need for it. But we're going to their house. And I said, I, I know them. How do you know them? He's like, what do you mean? How do I know them? He's like, you didn't know. The whole reason that you're here is you helped their son three years ago wow. in this Pesach program. They thought you were the most incredible person to take of your time. During your Pesach program, you're running around and whatever. This person who's on the program, you spent literally hours and hours to help this kid out, a high school kid. You helped them out with some really, really hard situation. They just thought that my yeshiva, and they love my yeshiva, couldn't use a guy like me. And they called me up and said, Zezifold is making Aliyah, hire him. I didn't know who you were. I knew that you were the youth director of the White Chauffeur for eight, nine years. I knew all these things, but I didn't really know who you were. So, but they told me to hire you, so I did. And, and that's what happened. And, and I'm, I'm here. Wow. And, and, I, and if I, I could sit here for hours and hours and hours, but if I go through my life at every single point, it's Yad Hashem. I mean, obviously everything's Yad Hashem, but like, it's so clear to see wow. you go through that led to that. And because that happened, that led to that. And it's, um, and t- today I, I have a camp in the five towns called Camp Machane Yisrael with my partner, Yitzhi Haber, um, where I'm the assistant director and I'm the head counselor. And it, it's because it, it fell in my lap. It's because Yitzhi Haber gave it to me and said, Hey, listen, you're a part of me and you're with me and the name you made the community is so good. So let's make a camp together. And like, it, it, this all happened the day before camp started. Like the whole thing is so, so crazy. Akash Baruch really takes care of your life and you just got to like 
sit back and relax and enjoy the show sometimes and just say, listen, you know what? I don't make decisions in life. I don't decide right. what's going to happen. And God makes those decisions. And that's, that's all it is. Do you feel that it's specifically for you that, yeah, like you see the Adashem because your, your eyes are open to it? Or do you think everybody could see Adashem in their life? So yes and yes. Meaning, I do think it happens to me because of my outlook. And I do think it could happen to everyone else if they, their outlook was the same. Um, I always like to, when I talk and I give sheer, I always like to talk about Modani. Modani is one of my favorite things in the world because it's such an amazing, amazing tefillah. Um, I, years ago when I learned in Karen Biavne, the there was a certain 15-minute seder. We had to pick 15 minutes of what we wanted to learn. And I decided I was going to learn this sefer called Baruch Sh'emar. Baruch Sh'emar is a sefer, it's this book about how to learn, how to davening. What, what are you saying? Like you've been saying these words for all your life. What does it actually mean? And I spent literally over a month on the words of Moda'ani. And Moda'ani are not that many words. But I spent over a month with my charusa on it. And the first thing we, we didn't realize and we didn't even think about was the first word that we start off our day with is Moda, which is either thanking Hashem or we're acknowledging Hashem, whatever the word means. There's so many different uh, translations of the word. But we're acknowledging before ourselves. Meaning, if it were me and you, I would say, Animode, I am thankful or I am understanding. But no, no. The Chachamim made it that we don't start off the day with I. We don't start off the day with yourself. You start off your day with thanks. You start off the day saying, Wow, I deserve nothing. I deserve absolutely zero. Everything that's going to come to me throughout this day. I'm going to be so thankful for because I don't really deserve anything. I don't really need anything. Whatever I have, I have, and, I, 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 and that's what I need. But I don't need anything else. Whatever God gave me till now, that's what I needed, and I don't need anything more. And you have that outlook in life. You're like, wow, things just happen around me. And you're like, look at it. Wow. As opposed to looking at things like, again, I missed the bus. How come I missed the bus? And yeah. you hear all these stories about, you know, Michal Przansky made that song years ago about, I don't know if you even remember it. It was a song about this guy who was in standing in line and. Um, oh, with the and, blow up or something? Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. guy lets him go ahead of him in line and he leaves the store and the store blows up and it was Sabaro. Yeah. And it was, it was terrorist bombing. And the guy, he feels like the guy saved his life. He one day gets a call from the guy and says, listen, we're coming to America and I'd like for you to come visit us. Um, my father's getting some, some intense, intense surgeries. Please come see us. So he goes to see the guy in the hospital and um, they're all looking at the TV and you can't figure out what are they looking at the TV. And they look at it and he sees that where he worked that day in the Twin Towers was the floor he would have been on and he was killed. He would have been killed. And this guy saved his life twice. And I think about that story all the time because, you know, there are stories like yeah, that. Bills from that story. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> There are stories like that in the world, but you don't have to look at that. You can look at things in your life, in your everyday life, and say, wow, I made that green light, or I didn't mean make that green light. There was a movie thousand years ago with Gwyneth Paltrow called Sliding Doors. I'm not going to go into what the movie is deeply about, but just in, 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 in just a quick synopsis, Gwyneth Paltrow makes a train or doesn't make a train. And the movie goes side by side. What happens if she made that train or what happens if she missed the train? And her life goes in two different directions. And when we say things in, in our lives, we always say Baruch Hashem. It's Baruch Hashem good 
and Baruch Hashem bad. Everything is from God and everything is from him. So the end of the day is you got to understand that, you know what, everything's from him. And you know what, if I miss the red light or if I got a flat tire, it's from him. And if you didn't get a flat tire and you're able to pass somebody by, stop and help them out. You know what? Uh, not everyone can. But um, and that's, that's really been my motto. Just, just help people. No reason not to. Wow. And I, that definitely makes you also like a much calmer person, like knowing that Hashem is in control of everything, which is, which is very, very good for, for anybody because, you know, they just know Hashem's always in their life. Yes, that's one of your mottos. And another one is the power of giving. And you said giving saves lives. Can you share like a small story from your personal life, how you saw um, this to be true? I mean, personally, um, people know the different stories where I have been a part of giving for them. But um, many years ago, a, father, a friend of mine lost his father. And it was probably one of the most emotional nights of my life. Um, and that's saying something. Um, but I sat there after burying my friend's father. And I sat there at the graveside and I said, listen, if there's ever another person in the world that needs help, another orphan in the world, and I, and I yelled out, I said, listen, if your kids need any help, I will help them. And I always watched out on these kids in the community, helped them out with whatever it was. Over the years, I've helped pay for different um, weddings and helped finance people who need help with different things. I mentor kids who have lost parents due to that. I've been at many, 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 many weddings where I was either Masada Kedushin or I was um, Bracha or Kriya Saksuba or whatever. You create a connection when you do those things. And um, everyone can help. Everyone can help somebody else in their own way. You know, I'm saying it doesn't have to be, uh, not all acts have to be so grandiose and so large. You can help anybody. You know, you know what I'm saying? You just give of yourself, just give time. But everyone can help. You do so much in your life. I'm in awe. Like everybody has so many hours in their day. Does everybody put those hours in like to doing something productive and you're just, it seems like you're just always doing something productive and positive. It's so inspiring. I try. I try. Usually people ask me when I sleep and my line is usually the same. It's, I think the same line, my, my cousin Ari um, said, I was actually on a film with him one, one time when he actually said it. And I'm sure a lot of people say it. It's I'll sleep when I'm one, when I'm dead. And, and that's really the truth. Wow. Um, you know, there's too much work in the world to get done and I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm helping people start up businesses and I'm helping people do what they can. Um, I'm actually just started taking a paramedic course now because in America, I uh, ran a search and rescue group for um, Shomrim and Baruch Hashem there. I was able to save many lives physically and um, I li- literally have brought people back from the dead. Uh, people who have lost their pulse and found them and saved their lives but um, I felt like that was the one thing here. I was doing so much, but I wasn't saving any lives in that way. Obviously, I've seen many neshamas um, in different ways, but I, so I started taking a paramedic course recently, so hopefully I'll be able to go back to saving lives again that way. <laughs> I need that in part, because I'm not doing enough, you know what I'm saying? I'm not doing Because <laughs> <laughs> there's still just one hour that you're sleeping at night, so you got to cut that down. <laughs> yeah, three to five is just too much. We got to go to four to five now. Oh, I mean like four thirty to five. <laughs> exactly, thirty minutes is perfect. Well, you really, you you really give over your kindness so much to like so many different people. When was the first time that you actually felt real kindness come to you? So, um, 
I have shared this story before. Till now, our conversation was mostly fluff and excitement and a lot of fun. Um, but we'll get down to the nitty-gritty a little bit. On my seventh birthday, on Zion Cheshvan, uh, my father passed away on my birthday. To say it was traumatic is an understatement. I remember every piece of it. I remember coming home with a crown on my head because it was my seventh birthday and coming home and being told I can't go home, I have to go next door to another family, coming to a site of seeing my entire family crying and finding out that my father passed away. Something like that changes somebody. You know, Spider-Man got bit by a spider and that changed him to Spider-Man. My father died and it changed me forever. During that year, I was in South Shore and Rav Benjamin Kamenetsky, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, was the Rosh and the Menahel of Hertzberg, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, also passed away recently, made it their due diligence over the next year to spend extra time with me. What does that mean? My brothers are much older than me. They were in high school. They were much, much older. But if Kamenetsky wanted to make sure that I can do the things that a young child should do for a father he had lost. So Rabbi Kamenetsky would take me out of class every single day and walk me to the high school where I can say Kaddish my father every single day by Mincha. Rabbi Hertzberg would spend time with me every single day. But even before that happened, I was sitting Shiva, and I actually wasn't sitting Shiva. We got a Psak Halacha. We were told that I was not supposed to sit Shiva. Seven years old, no reason to sit Shiva. One day I called in. I was outside playing. And my whole family was sitting inside. I was on, a por- on the porch. I got called in and I said, what do you need? Like they said, you have to come sit Shiva now. I said, my mommy told me not to sit Shiva. So I'm not sitting Shiva. I mean, I imagine, I'm sure, I don't remember who I said it to, but how heart-wrenching that could have been. A seven-year-old telling me, don't, I'm not sitting Shiva. But they said, no, you have to come now. So I went inside and I sat down on the couch and I looked up in front of me. And these two giants, Rabbi Yamin Kamenetsky, Zeich and Rabbi Hertzberg, came to be Menachem Avel Mi, a little schnuck, a little seven-year-old child. And that changed my life. That moment in life changed my life. I was about 12 years old, maybe 13 years old, where it just dawned on me that I was like, those two giants of beings have thousands and thousands of, if not tens of thousands of people that are waiting on them, whether it be their school, their yeshiva, the community, these two people were involved in every single aspect of the world and the community. Benjamin Kamenetsky was one of the first people that even started that whole area, that community of South Shore. That whole community was started by him. Hertzberg was a guddle in his own way. And they went ahead and they spent an hour and a half with a little schnook, a little child who's seven years old. If these two big dolem, these two huge people, can go ahead and spend some time with a seven-year-old, who am I and nobody to not give the time to a child who, who needs some time? And that's why when a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, any, any age child needs my time, they get it. People who are going through hard things, teenagers are going through hard things, always know this cell phone is sitting right down below me right here. It's sitting down below me right here because I, at any point, somebody may call me. During our conversation, I have right now 48 missed texts and, and calls. Wow. People know that this is a hotline. My cell phone sits on my, on my bed, and if anybody needs in the middle of the night, I'm going, I'm going out. Whether it be for a missing person or whether it be somebody who is suicidal or whether it be somebody who just has a flat tire, they know this is the number to call. This is the number that's going to come and get you and no matter what time in life. My phone number in Israel is 058 Mitzvah for that reason because I'm always ready. People feel comfortable to share what they're going through? with you even if you don't know them people feel comfortable to share with me because they know that with me it's not getting past me 
in the medical world, there's HIPAA laws, um, which don't allow a medical doctor, nurse, so on and so forth, to divulge information to a person who's not involved with the patient. But many people know that once I go back home, it's over. No one knows what happened back there. One Shavuos, three years ago, I was walking home from Davening, and I got a call. Somebody had gone missing. Next, I was walking home with my son, and I dropped him off by a friend in my house. I said, please bring him home. Next time I saw my son was a week later. I, oh, spent, one, I spent one week with that family, helping them find their lost one. And that's what it's about. I found him. Yavar Hashem. Found him. And that's what it's about. It's about people knowing they can trust you, and they could come to you. When you make a name, and your name is Zezi, although sometimes they're like, uh, I'm going through something really hard in my life, and your name is Zezi, you're not the person I want to talk to. <laughs> but then they realize that guy brought calm into my life at a time where there was no calm. That guy brought a relief into my life when there was no other. And that's what it's about. If I'm able to do that and put somebody at ease, it's just a drug that there is no better. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm so in awe of you. Cause like, I know you from the parties that we go to. So I, <laughs> I know that I'm like, I know that side of you. And I know that you're just like, rah, 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 like fun. Let's go. Let's make my myself boy happy. Like, I want you to teach me the ropes of how do you become that kind of person? How do you, how do you just keep giving and, and, you know, and just, you don't stop and you're really there to really be there for people. So actually, Baruch Hashem, somebody actually asked me to give a webinar, and actually my brother and I are going to be giving a webinar soon. Um, it's about, it's not called the power of giving, but that's what it's really about. It's, uh, it's about mindful giving. It's about understanding that by being a more giving person in life, you can be a more successful person. And Molly, I'll send you the information. You can come join us for free oh, for, thank first, you. But for our first one. Well, there are a lot of businesses that wanted to see this happen because if you have people in your business that are more giving, you'll have a better, um, you know, better employee and a better business. So we're building this bit. We're building this right now to help people understand how to give more, how to give without un, without thinking that I'm going to receive. You know, as, as we said before, you know, sometimes you feel like you know I gave. When's it coming back to me? Right. And a lot of times it doesn't, and you don't feel it right away. You don't. But if your outlook in life is, you know, I don't need to get it back you'll be a much happier person because you'll felt that you have, you have given and who cares if I, if I get it back or I don't get it back. It's not, it's not what it's about. It's about giving. And it, it really, it really does breed success. Before we go, is there a mantra that you have that you can share with us that we can improve our personal lives? So I actually have a couple. The, the one that I said before is one of my favorite ones. Um, a smile is a crooked line that strains everything out. It's one of my favorite ones. Sounds beautiful in Hebrew. So it's about, you know, just smile. And you know what? And, and, and it doesn't negate the hard feelings and the rough things you're going on in life. But if you can make someone else smile, it'll make you happier. It'll make you a better person. And I think the other one that I, that I live by, my stepdad taught me this one thing in driving. I was learning driving in America. And he was an Israelite. Dad, if you could teach me one thing in driving, what can you teach me? And he said, if you just realize that everyone else on the road is an idiot, you'll be a very successful driver. Yeah. And I take that as a great mantra for life. If you realize that everyone else is not as good as you are, you know what? I may open the door some, for somebody and they may not say thank you. And I may do something for somebody and they may not do back for me. Don't expect. Don't expect for somebody else to do for you. Don't expect anything in life. If you don't expect anything, you'll be so much happier. If 
you understand that nothing is coming to you, wake up in the morning and say, Modeani, thank you, Hashem, so much. The day is ready to start. I'm ready to go with my day. I'm so excited. Thank you. You take that with you throughout the day, and you're just like, oh, Danny, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? There's some people that are not here, not able to do what I'm doing right now, not in my shoes doing what I'm doing. Just thank you. And that's really all it's about, just thanking Hashem and thanking Him and continuing on your day, smiling, and just, you know what? It's all good. It's all good. Well, thank you so much, Zezi, for being here with me today. I really appreciate you sitting down with me. I'm so inspired. And all of Zezi's links are going to be in the description below. So I wish you success in everything. And I'm very excited for that webinar to come out. I'll send it to you very, very soon. And thank you so much, Molly, for having me on. And if there's anything that you need or anybody else needs, contact me. My email is by the easiest email in the world. It's zezi at zezi.co.il. That's it. It's as simple as that. So uh, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And Amir Tashem, we'll uh, continue to save lives together. Yes, I mean, thank you so much. Keep smiling, Mike. I know that you're awesome.